Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm the DJ, the MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is a man who can be described as both an officer and a gentleman, and love lifts him up where he belongs. Here's my co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben. I mean... So for this episode, we have a special guest. She was a referral from one of our recent guests, Chris Forsyth. She's a member of the band The Long Hots, but has also released some great records on her own, including 2018's Trouble Anyway. So please welcome to the podcast, Rosalie Middleman. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So premise of our podcast is fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do it, the beginning of each episode, I ask the all-important question. I'm going to start with Wayne. What t-shirt are you wearing? I am wearing a really cool Sleater Kenny shirt. Excellent. Excellent. How about you, Rosalie? What t-shirt are you wearing? Um, I'm wearing a shirt that was made by my friend Will, and it's uh, it's Neil Young at the beach. And on the cover, on the front is Neil Young with a snorkel and goggles, and he's holding a beer. And on the back is a picture of Neil Young with sunglasses in the water, flipping the bird. Excellent. Excellent. Nice. <laughs> All right. We have we have done an episode on Yeah, please, please. And we we have done an episode on Neil Young's on the beach. So, yeah, that's awesome. Very good. Um and then my my t-shirt is one I haven't worn for a while, Wayne. Um and I don't know how this fits into Buffy St. Marie or Rosalie, but uh I'm wearing my cracker t-shirt johnny and david from cracker nice all right so so rosalie how are you holding up oh i'm doing okay you know today's announcement uh of biden and kamala harris winning was a relief to me um but i also just finished moving from philly to northern michigan so i'm a little frazzled but i'm good (laughs) yeah yeah, and for our listeners, so we're recording this on the Saturday after the election, and like an hour before we started recording, the big announcement came in. So, and Pennsylvania had a very big role in the drama of this week, didn't it? Oh, yeah. It sure did. Um, and I moved on election day, so I got up at 6 in the morning, got in line to vote, cast my vote, and then drove 14 hours to Michigan. So, so why? Oh, I feel pretty good that I voted there. <laughs> yeah. So, why the upending of your life to to Michigan? Um. Well, so I I'm from Michigan. My family's here. But, oh, okay. Um, it was kind of a a confluence of various events. Um, mainly, I came here. My one of my older sisters lives here, and she's a single mom, and uh, needs help with my nephew who. He, he has autism. He's a sweet, lovely boy, but she needs help with him. And he's been sick with other issues, too. So during COVID, since, you know, a lot of us musicians can't perform or really do anything other than, you know, write songs. Um, and with probably another lockdown looming, uh, I was having trouble affording to live in the city still. So it just seemed like good timing to come and help my sister out for a bit. And so and I'll be closer to my parents who are getting older. And it's a, it's also a really nice opportunity for me to be in nature. I'm about 10 minutes from Lake Michigan. Excellent. There are woods all around. So 
it felt like the right time to do such a, a move. <laughs> but so, I do miss Philly, and I'm so proud of them just watching the protests and everything going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, we've we've had a, a few Philly musicians on the podcast, so I don't know if you oh, yeah. know Roger Harvey. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Kaylee Goldsworthy. Um, let's see. Uh, and Tom. Had, and then you had Chris on recently. Yeah. Yeah. Tom May of the Menzingers. Um, I've I've tried to get Dave Haas to come on the podcast. That hasn't happened yet. We'll we'll it'll eventually happen. <laughs> I'm feeling good about it, Wayne. I'm feeling good about it. Definitely. <laughs> um, and I would love to get Kurt Vile on the on the podcast as well. But what is it about the Philly scene? Like, there's a really good music scene going on there yeah um well when i moved there i guess it was in 2007 early 2008 i mean philly was so affordable to live in you know rents in the some people as cheap as like 200 dollars a month you know to like seven so you could live com comfortably more comfortably than say new york um have more space so i think a lot of artists musicians were there to do that and there's a yeah specific energy and sound um mm -hmm. that's there i i don't really know maybe where that comes from like philly had been an underdog for a long time it's it's a gritty place um and also in a lot of the places people live you could be really loud you know there are a lot of empty <laughs> lots and warehouse spaces and people People didn't care. You could just, you know, crank up your amp and play shows. There was when I first moved there. There was a, a pretty big like DIY scene, house shows and warehouse shows, backyard, um, like the you know the band Espers. Um, they, they had a like a, they called it the compound, but it was basically like three storefront buildings that people were living in, and then the courtyard had it was just a big garden area. So. Uh, they put on shows there. It was a really supportive community, and I uh, felt like you could go to like a noise show in West Philly, and then like a you know free folk show somewhere else. So, and you'd see the same people. So it was yeah. like you know everybody's supporting one another, and that's just grown with I think you know with bands like you know Kurt Vile and the War on Drugs and right. people knowing that, that Philly had a music scene. It drew in a lot of, lot more musicians very cool yeah i we both mentioned chris forsyth so he was on the podcast a few months ago and and that's the reason why you're on so you sang on one of his songs called dream song and i just i love that song and i was like who is that voice and um <laughs> so i was like what's what's her story and he's like yeah you should you should have rosalie come on so i was like all right let's do it so here, here we are uh that's great. Yeah, here we are. That's great. And Chris has a cool, he has two storefront spaces now that they were having shows at up until, you know, March. But right. That was actually the last show I played, the Long Hut show at his spot, Jerry's. Um, okay. Which is like a really nice ending. <laughs> yeah. we He didn't even bring that up, yeah. did he, Wayne, on, on the, the episode? Wow. I didn't realize he had a spot. I don't there. believe so. Yeah. Yeah, there are like practice spaces in it um, that people, you know, have their own studios, but there's also like a rent by the hour and he oh. just, he's on the verge of opening a second one. So it's super cool. You know, he's been super uh, supportive of creating spaces that are becoming less and less available. Yeah. Just yeah. due to the city's changed a lot with gentrification and sure. Um, 
but so that it's great. Very cool. Yeah, Chris, and so Chris has known. Uh, if if the listeners have have listened to that, Chris is known for these sprawling, long songs that I guess you could say are kind of in that jam band um, mentality. And and your album Trouble Anyway kind of has a you have a, a eight minute long song that I was mm-hmm. I I was listening to it. I'm like. I wonder, is that Chris Forsyth on the guitar? Because, anyways, I'm pro- I'm sure it wasn't, but I loved it. So it's, yeah, actually, um, well, I'm playing, and also Paul Sakina, who was in a band with Chris. Um, okay, but he now Paul Sakina was an Angel Olsen band, um, but he gotcha. was now on the West Coast. Okay, but he's an he's an amazing uh, guitarist, one of my favorites. Yeah, so a good guy. So listening to <laughs> Trouble Anyway, um, so I've li- I listened to that a, uh, a lot over the past couple of weeks. I also listened to Out of Love, your album before that. There is a difference between those two albums. I feel like in the, the sound, it feels like Trouble Anyway is more of a, a total band type record. So who, who all played on, on that record? Yeah. You already mentioned uh, Peter, but who, who else? Um, well, so drums, uh, Nathan Bowles, who he has his own solo project. Um, he plays banjo mostly, but, um, so he's playing drums and percussion and Dan Provenzano, who his band is Riding Squares and he's also was in space and, um, he's on bass and, um, so yeah, Paul Sakina plays guitar in a few songs. Um, Mike Polizzi, whose band is Purling Hiss, he's playing guitar on a song. Mike Sobel, who plays uh, lap steel, are on a few songs. Mary Lattimore, harpist, she's on a few, including the long one, um, Rise to Fall. And she plays Wurlitzer on a few. Um, woman Gretchen Lahos is playing violin. And okay. Charlie Hall of the War on Drugs playing Shaker and Tambourine. Um, <laughs> Gotta love the Shaker. She was like so amazing. He he played that. He did one take playing Shaker for eight minutes straight. Just it, you know, locked in. It was so great. Am I forgetting somebody? I hope not. Oh, Jeff Ziegler, who we recorded Trouble Anyway at his studio, Uniform Recording. Okay. And right. he's been a huge asset to the Philadelphia music music scene. He did a lot of Kurt's first records. Okay. Um, he's playing synth on, on that long jam. Gotcha. So, yeah, so, so you are in the process of doing a an, another solo record. I had seen on your bio that uh, you're getting ready to release that in 2021. So, uh, same players on this one, or are you you doing it with with other other musicians? It's a completely different band. Um, do you know the Omaha based band David Nance Group? I don't. They're on Trouble in Mind Records. They're amazing. I'd actually, you should get Dave on the show. He's a record head, like, and a great, uh, great guy. But um, yeah, they, we were, Long Hots were on tour with his band back last summer. And we started off the tour. They played a show with, with me, with Rosalie <laughs> in Philly. And then we did the Long Hots tour. And we all became just close friends the whole way. And I think we were somewhere, in, we were in Detroit and they were, just like we want to be your backing band for your next record so i was like okay let's do it um 
So I finished up the scrap of songs that I had that I was kind of dragging my feet on. Um, went out to Omaha last November and in 10 days recorded in a basement in Omaha. So it's 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 a heavier rock record because they you know they play like you know that Neil Neil Young rock and roll yeah sound and you know there's some like still like gentle songs to it too but so but it has their full band energy but what's cool about it is since it is an established band already they have their unified vibe to them yeah it has a different kind of energy. I'm ex- I'm excited for it to be out in the world. It's been a while that COVID definitely slowed that down, but that's okay. I'm I'm patient and <laughs> um and then there are a few other people, <laughs> a few other players. Uh, um, Robbie Bennett, who's in War on Drugs, also plays keys on some songs. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's a, a new group. Very cool. Um, my favorite song on the the current record is lie to me I, since i couldn't find any wow. lyrics of of that song <laughs> so what's what's the story behind that song um well it's kind of like you know you're in a relationship maybe and you know that it's not permanent but you're okay with it like well lie to me i know you're lying about the maybe the intensity of what this is but that's okay i'm I'm in on the on the lie kind of feeling. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of written from a, a perspective of a relationship that I was in um, that felt like it was only a half, half-hearted thing. Yeah. Um, and that's Mike Blizzy playing the guitar solo on that. Gotcha. He's an incredible musician. Yeah, I, I dig that song. Wayne, Wayne, did you get a chance to listen to the record? I, I was just going to say that's that's my favorite song off of it too. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> so when are we going to start hearing some uh, some 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 teasers from from the new record? You going to put out any um, singles leading up to the full album release? Yeah, things go start going according to plan. I'm just finishing up. I just got the masters back, so that's all going out to the plant. Hopefully, in the next week. Um, our schedule <laughs> is that I think singles will start be out in in January. Okay. We're aiming to be like March, end of March, but with vinyl, there's always slowdowns and the plants are backed up. But hopefully it goes that way. And, you know, sometimes if not, it, it'll be out digitally. Yeah. Yes. And I haven't actually selected the singles yet. It's, it's always the hardest part because, like, sometimes what I think, like, this is the one because it's personal. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Other people are like, no, this is the one. So how do you end up making the decision on what ends up being the single? Do you follow your gut or do you listen to other people's advice on that? It's a mix. I mean, luckily like I can pick two or three singles. So um, it'll used to be a, a compromise, you know, maybe with the label thanks is the one. And then um, one that I'm like, I really want this one to be out there. Even if it, I mean, I'm like a kind of an underground artist anyway. It's kind of like this. It's not going to be like a radio hit, but <laughs> so, but yeah, there's certain songs that might maybe aren't as like poppy or catchy, but I think are good. I would choose as like a second or third right. one to put out there just to be representative of who I, who I feel like I am as an artist. Yeah. And actually for the last record, Lie to Me ended up being the first single, but I had a different song that I 
was originally like, I want this one to be it, but all the people involved agreed that lie to me was the one. And it clearly is people, it resonates with people. So, so, so what was the one that you wanted to pick as the, <laughs> as the, the, the first single then? Um, that was uh, dead and gone. Oh, okay. The name of the song. And yeah, that's good too. Yeah. That would have been a good pick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I just felt like, I don't know something about like I felt like that one had like a really nice emotional uh, dynamics to it, my harmonies, but um, yeah, it, it was it ended up being released as like an unpromoted single, but it was like one of the first ones out there on Spotify. Gotcha. All right. Well, I'm I'm now following you on Twitter, so I'll uh, I'll share whatever <laughs> single you you got out there. Definitely. So, so Rosalie, tell tell us what record you chose to revisit for this episode. Yeah, I chose uh, Buffy St. Marie, uh, Many a Mile, which is her second album. It was released in 1964. And I chose that, like, I, I grew up in a really musical family. I'm one of seven kids. And my parents, my parents had a rock and roll band. And my mom uh, played and taught us a lot of folk songs and traditionals and so I I knew Buffy St. Marie's songs before I knew who Buffy St. Marie was. Um, my mom did a, a version of Codine. And we also, I joked that we were like a hillbilly Von Trapp family. Because we'd all sing. And it's how I learned harmonies. And we uh, <laughs> we all learned and sang the song Johnny Be Fair, which is on, on Many a Mile. Yeah. Um, so, and then when I actually heard Buffy St. Marie, I think it was, I think it was around 13 because it was when I was starting to learn how to play guitar. Um, and I just remember being blown away by her voice, her intensity. She, she, she was different from other like female folk singers I'd heard, you know, like Joan Baez, who I, I think is great also, but, but Buffy, wow. She just, she just felt like she was both ancient and from the future. And so unique. Um, so yeah, she was very, I guess, very influential to shaping the way I, I thought about songwriting. So yeah, that's why I chose her. <laughs> it and and then this record, I think, because they have. Go ahead, sorry. I, I was just going to say, so um, you you know, with with me hearing you on the Chris Forsyth song, and then listening to, you know, your second record. Um, when you sent over to me what your what your pick was, I was like, I would have never expected that you would have gone with a, a folk a folk singer because I felt like, okay, well, you know, she's she's part of the Philly sound and um, you know, whatever you want to call the 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 indie lo-fi whatever is going on in in the in the Philly scene. So uh, when you sent over that this was your pick, I was like, 
Okay, interesting. Yeah. Well, the thing about her, like, she's a folk singer, but you know, even now, like, she she's a, an evolving artist. Like, I was just talking to my sister this morning about it, and she was talking about how she recently saw Buffy St. Marie here in Traverse City, and she like set up. She had a whole like electronic setup with like, mm-hmm. you know, like keys, and her like her music is is evolved into you know a new contemporary sound um, that she's you know she's running and programming still kind of singing about the same stuff um you know she's an she's an activist um but i i think she's kind of unique in that way it's like you know the time that she was like in the 60s that was kind of the uh, the broad genre especially for women who played guitar um but uh i think she's kind of she's she's deeper than that not to say that folk musicians aren't deep. I'm not trying because I, I'm people call I sometimes am associated with being a folk, like folk rock. Is okay. Sometimes people call me, um, but I don't necessarily agree with that. But I'm also <laughs> it's, I I grew up playing a lot of <laughs> of traditional music, so that it's formative to to things. Um, yeah. Because I do tell stories and I do thing about you know use love as a vehicle to talk about bigger things uh you know questioning things in the world and um so yeah it's just like it's more of a like coming from a place of of, i don't know the strength of a the power and strength that buffy has as as being a woman and it's her i think her music is very feminist um and that's something that i I think I bring through in my music. Yeah. Yeah. I, I introduced Wayne with the lyrics from um, up where we belong. Cause that was, that was really the only song that I knew that, that Buffy did. And then once I started listening, I was like, I've, I've heard Codine and, and I think there were a couple other yeah. ones, but she didn't sing that up where you belong. She just wrote that for officer and a gentleman, of course, won an Academy award for it. So Congratulations right. to Buffy for that. So that's um, there is a documentary on YouTube uh, on her that I watch for research, and um, you know, going to what you were saying, Rosalie, that you know she's always evolving her sound, and they they must have asked her what her opinion was of some of the other folks in you know Greenwich Village where she kind of got you know found and. She even kind of said in 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 kind of a derogatory t- term while she was like, I didn't really feel that I was a folk singer, you know, um, even though, yeah, you know, you listen to her, her music and yeah, absolutely. There's there's folk all over this. And, you know, there's a lot of traditional type of type of songs as, that's on this record that you would consider as a folk song. So but she didn't view herself as a folk singer. Right. And I don't really view myself as one either, but yeah. <laughs> I guess it's, yeah, it's something I'm okay with too. Cause I, same with like making popular music. I feel like it's a way for people, you know, like these little stories and songs that can be, you know, accepted. It's accessible. Um, yeah. So like if you're trying to have a message in something, it's a, it's a good vehicle for that. 
All right, a couple other things that I've uh, that I found out from uh, the documentary. So she is in the Juno Hall of Fame. That's um that's mm-hmm. Canadian. Uh, she was adopted, so she's Indian mm-hmm. or indigenous, as as was explained in the the documentary. Um, is it is it Piopat? Piopat? How do you pronounce that? Her her tribe. Yeah, I think. I, I'm not positive of it. <laughs> me, me, me neither. Um, she was abandoned as an infant. She was raised actually in Massachusetts, went to, um, crap, I should have wrote Amherst, down. Amherst, I think. Amherst, yeah. Um, yeah. And um, she and that, that's right. So she and Taj Mahal both attended Amherst. They were doing the coffee house thing mm-hmm. around the same time. Um, Let's see. She appeared on Sesame Street for about five years. Oh yeah, and yeah, and one episode was about breastfeeding. Yep. So, um, and then of course I brought up the Academy Award yeah, thing. Exactly. Um. All right. Um. She wrote Universal Soldier, which has been covered by a ton of people: mm-hmm. Donovan, Glenn Campbell. Uh, we'll talk about some other famous people who have covered. Buffy on uh, one of the other songs on this on this album. Um, so I got to ask Wayne. I, I told you that I only knew Buffy from her writing, um, and then there were a couple other songs that that I was like, "Oh yeah, I've heard that." May not have been Buffy's version, but I know that I'd heard those. At, did you know who Buffy Saint Marie was? Absolutely, had never heard the name, um, which I I don't know how. Wow. But uh, I this is another record kind of like John Hammond's Country Blues. And, uh, you know, like I think I even mentioned the Chris Christopherson solo. This is something that's I just think it's real important for people to listen to her. I, I, her voice is amazing. Um, she it's so versatile. She changes it. It just whatever the song is, it's it's almost like a different, a completely different instrument. You know, uh, it, it's uh and and great guitar work, like her acoustic guitar. Most of this on this record is credited to her. I only saw two instances where somebody else played guitar, and it's just and it's so varied and and great. And I like yeah. and like I said, we had mentioned she's there is a strong uh, female voice or message in like I think she specifically picked folk, you know, these traditional songs where where there's a where she's able to you know tell. A very, a very strong female message. Absolutely. Yeah, her voice is—it's not—it's like nothing else. It's—it's it's incredible. Yeah, it's and it's different from song to song. You can tell that it's the same person, but it's but it's—I mean, if you didn't know, you might not be able to tell because it's just so—it's so versatile. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Like when she howls, I love it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and and, that, and she's got that almost that. Hank Williams type like warble thing that'll happen. She'll do And at first I was like, I don't know if I really like that, but then the more I listened to it and the more I heard it, it's, it's almost like a unique signature to her. Like I've never heard anybody else do that. And then it, it be like, say after a few listens, you, you know, you come to appreciate it as something that only I've only heard her do. All right. Yeah. Um, so I will I will say for people who like to go and listen to the records that we talk about on the streamings, um, this is not on Spotify. 
I I had to go to YouTube to find this. This was never reissued on CD in the U.S. I did see that um, in 2015, Ace Records in the United Kingdom reissued it. So if you want to pay the shipping costs from the U.K. to get yourself a copy of the CD, um, you can go to Ace Records for that. Um, or you can go to, to YouTube. Somebody, um, you, you could tell that somebody... Um, uh, downloaded it off of or recorded it off of a uh, record and, and put it up there. So there you go. Um, I'm assuming Rosalie, you have a copy of the vinyl. I don't. <laughs> okay. Um, I, w- I wish I did. I, so I, I didn't have the reissue of this. I, my first Buffy St. Marie and that I do have on vinyl is the best of Buffy St. Marie. And some of these songs are on that. Yes. Um, but then when I was like going, th- I've, listening i've been listening to it on youtube as well for years um just because i really like this collection of songs and yeah how they flow together and that so that yeah that's where i have it too i'd love to find it on vinyl that would be definitely be a score um (laughs) digging through but i've yet to have that reward all right so if any of rosalie's friends are listening to this She's asking for this for Great Christmas. Christmas, <laughs> Christmas present right here. Yes. All right. right. All right. Well, let's dive into it. As a reminder, our scoring is going to be based on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on Many a Mile? 14. Which means our top song is going to get 14 points. Nick's favorite, 13 on down to low score of one. So let's start this off. And this is Must I Go Bound. Must I go bound and you so free? Must I love one who doesn't love me? Must I be born with so little heart as to love one who would break my heart? I put my finger to the bush. I thought I'd find a lovely flower. And I I will say this, I spent way too long trying to find the origins of all of the songs that were in parentheses traditional, um, not written by Buffy. Yeah. I, I think that I found this one. This one comes from a collection of Irish songs called The Unfortunate Swain, which dates back to 1770. And uh, I would love to know how Buffy was introduced to these quote unquote traditional songs. Cause I didn't know any of these before I started listening to this record. So even though they're, they're quote yeah. traditional songs, did, I mean, did you know any of these songs um, before you were introduced um, to Buffy? I, I did come all you fair and tender ladies. And that's one of the first songs I learned how to play. Okay. Sing, which there's a lot of, variations of this song um that there's it's also another song title it goes under which is the same story as um silver dagger which dolly parton did a version of on her bluegrass record yeah Um, but basically it's the story of like you know a woman's scorn you know false true love um so that was an early one and then also johnny be fair which actually, she may have written that one. I'm not sure if that is a traditional, but that's uh, she claims to. But uh, 
It sure sounds an awful <laughs> lot like like another song. Yeah. But I also know like with uh, there was like an anthology, the child ballads um, that were it was an anthology of collected traditional songs um, from England. And that also, you know, then makes its way over to Appalachia with a lot of those versions of traditional songs. So it, it could have come out of a lot of the folk singers of that time were it was, you know, published and people, my mom had a copy of it and would learn and kind of some of them didn't have melodies. So that may be where you'd be like, oh, well, I, I wrote this song because you came up with your own little melody. To right, it. right. But um that could have been been the basis of it. Wayne, what do you got on on this as an opening track? I think it was a great choice because it it kind of opens you up to what's what's going to be on here. I say I think it's a great choice. Um, I think there's a strong female message in this um, about you know like I say about falling in love and trusting men and and her voice is just. It's, deliciously haunting and then and like i say the single finger pick guitar um so it, it it has that traditional sound but there is something contemporary about it yeah it's like i feel like it's this kind of this perspective of she's just looking like at her life and kind of you know her internal feelings of like it, am i destined to this is this my pattern is this my destiny to kind of always love one who doesn't love me back and not so much about the other person, it's about herself. Um, which I think that like kind of self-reflection is a contemporary perspective. Yeah, from everything we know about the early to mid-60s and women's place in society, I kind of feel like this is a pretty bold way to start out a record from that time period. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Any anything else on uh, Must I Go Bound? Should we get some scores? I think I just think it's a beautiful song. The imagery in it, as well as you know, yeah, it has some... the line where she's like going to pluck a flower, and she's you know hit. She gets the thorn instead, so she leaves it behind. Yeah, that one, and then the uh, the the uh, you know up back up against some oak, and I thought it was trusty tree and it bended and then broke i just there's a lot of good there's a lot of very poetic uh, yeah. strong lyrics in this you know yeah for sure all right um this is my 10 wayne your score seven and then rosalie uh, i gave this a 12 all right next song is los pescadores And I had to look that up. I kind of figured it was if it was fishermen. I had to look at that up. Yeah, we had two years two years of Spanish together. I I picked that out right away. That means nothing. <laughs> that was so long ago. Uh, so long ago. Um, what do you guys have? What do you guys have to say about this this song, Rosalie? What do you got? I I love the song. Um, the guitar playing it, you know, it's got that flamenco-y feeling to it. Um, and the it's the opening line. My feet are naked. 
I just, I love that um, way to say bare feet. Uh, <laughs> uh, and also the melody where she does, it's just kind of the wordless uh, refrain, but it's so, like her voice just lets loose in it and there's this passion and fire in the song. I think it's, it's you can't help but kind of feel, you know, like you might want to dance. So, yeah. so dance alone. <laughs> <laughs> right. Wayne, what do you got? Uh, the same thing, that flamenco guitar. And there's a couple of these really percussive strums in the, in the, in the very beginning. Um, and her voice is so different from the, from the first track. I mean, it's so bold and deliberate. Um, and then, and this one even like, and she wrote, I, from what I could see, she wrote this song and yet it, it has a traditional kind of a feel to it. Um, and then, but yet, that towards the end, it's almost like uh, almost as if uh, kind of a women's lib message in there. We're talking about working, right? And, you know, she's watching these fishermen, and then she's in that last verse. She's she she's working side by side with them, which obviously women on a fishing boat and wouldn't have been a wouldn't have been something common even at probably in 1965. But so it's still once again she's mixing. I feel like she's mixing some of these strong female messages into into a song that, that she wrote and does, like I say, has a very traditional sense, but I absolutely love the guitar in this. Yeah, it's so driving. Yeah, what you're saying, like the male, the masculine, the feminine, I'd have the lyrics up. She says, and the weight of the men and the sound of the sea, the hardness of them and the softness of me. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it gives me chills just saying it. It's so, so poetic. And the imagery is, you can just feel it. Yeah, that was, well, and then that, that was the line I highlighted. And that's like, I'll stand with the fisherman silent and gay. I'll eat the, of the sun and I'll drink of the spray. That's, that's, that's good stuff. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's get scores. Wayne, what do you got? Eight. All right. And Rosalie? Eleven. All right. And you guys are going to hate me. This is my two. I didn't get into it. <laughs> and I like fish. So, um, all right. Next song is Groundhog. 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 What makes your back so brown? I've been living in the ground so darn long. To wonder I don't brown, brown. To wonder I don't brown. And this is another one of those traditional uh traditional song so not credited to her and i couldn't find mm -hmm. anything as far as the origins of it um my notes here is so first time i heard this with a uh, guitar sound she was going for i kind of thought okay maybe it's an out-of-tune banjo not seeing the documentary the first time that i that i um heard this song that's a mouth bow okay mm -hmm. Uh, and I and I figured Wayne was going to hate the song, and I think um, I was right based off of the score. I, so, all right, so I get, I got this from the website of John Palms, who because I had to look this up. Once I found out it was a mouth bow, I'm like, I've never seen that before. I need I need more information on this. So, John Palms is somebody who does mouth bows. He actually put a diagram of what a mouth bow design is. He said that um, all you need is a piece of fishing line and a stick 
any string, kite string, even dental floss works. You don't have to wrap it around the end of the stick, but it's easy to do. I like 30 or 40 pound test nylon monofilament, and you can get it for free at fishing supply stores that put new line on reels. So there you go. And he said that um, his mouthbow playing is based on the Appalachian mouthbow that he learned from recordings by Buffy St. Marie. Anyways, so if you get, so if you want to learn how to do the mouthbow, um, John Palms is your guy. Go check out his website. All right, that's that's all I got. I used to have, and that's, the mouthbow is uh, something that is kind of signature to Buffy St. Marie. She plays it on a few songs, and it yeah it adds kind of, kind of this otherworldly aspect to it that you know you could almost play it and it could sound electronic you know like a weird synth program is it an acquired taste because the the two songs on this record that have the mouth bow <laughs> are not my two favorite songs on this record <laughs> not your two favorite? no i, I believe mean, I, they're I maybe my least two so. favorites so. oh man well this one i ranked higher but uh i get maybe it is an acquired taste but again i think i I think I just like how weird it is. And with this song, like, like singing on top of it, just, like, you know, singing about these creatures and like howling about them. And I don't know. I think it's just, it's so, it's so bizarre and minimal in its instrumentation that I, I love it. <laughs> and, and you have to be pretty like, versatile. You have to be pretty versatile as a as a vocalist to be able to keep that bow in your mouth while you're singing. So, kudos to her for doing that. Maybe I should have given her a, ne- a couple extra scoring points just for <laughs> that versatility, but I didn't just because I just didn't I didn't get into the songs at all. You just didn't so. get into it. No, no, I didn't. But that could, for me, it could also it could also be like a childhood memory of it. You know, there is like a, I think kids would really love that song because maybe like the animal subjects, but it, it, it's yeah. wacky. Yeah. Wayne, any, any thoughts before we get scores? Yeah, I, I didn't, I think as a solo instrument, it, it can't carry a song. I did not like, I did not, I call it, I referred to it as a twangy mouth banjo because I did not know the actual <laughs> name. Um, well, and I didn't, and <laughs> So, yeah, and it's coming off of two really great guitar uh, performances and then to just use the mouth bow. And like I say, there was something very, very West Virginia about her voice. And it just seemed like an odd choice. I felt like there was a theme, at least a rising. And then this came out of nowhere. Yeah. Mm. All right. So um, Scott. Scores, Rosalie. I think we're going to disappoint you, but let's let's go with Rosalie's score first. <laughs> I gave this a ten, and I think it's it's nostalgia, but also because it is. I think I do like the kind of the uh, the contrast of it against it because it does kind of show a side of her that is deep digging deep into like a an older traditional folk music, you know, mouth harps are ancient instruments in, in Scandinavia, in Africa, as well as like Appalachia. 
so there's something about it that it 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 feels like it's it's digging deep into the past um yeah so i love it <laughs> gotcha all right wayne your score this was my least favorite give it a one yeah and this is my least favorite as well all right um next song oh. is i know sorry rosalie <laughs> it's, it's, all, it's all right <laughs> all right next song is on the banks of red roses where the night before her darling spent digging on her grave i the night before her darling had spent digging on her grave on the bonny bonny banks of red roses i know replied she that grave and this was another one that i tried to f- find out because i i had felt like i had heard it somewhere before but i couldn't place it um the author is unknown i never could figure that out uh they say that the earliest date of circulation was approximately 1790 and there's other titles for this um so she used on the banks of red roses other titles include the banks of the roses and banks o red roses so Go with a little Irish. The more poetic version. Yes. Yes, for sure. Um, I don't have a whole lot on, on this as far as um, notes and whatnot. I, I like this song. It, uh, in fact, it looks like I liked it more than you guys. Um, I don't know. I don't know why it resonated with me more than, more than some of the other songs. Wayne, what, what do you got on, on this song? A um, couple of things. The her mo- uh, in the first lines, um, her mother says she was meant for rambling, which is actually um, there's three or four songs where I think she's either referred to as going to be a rambler or rambling, or so. There's definitely that that about her own personality. I think she might have found something in. And then I I felt like the the grave, the bridal bed grave, uh, was another you know, more of a, a warning to women not to lose yourself when you get married yeah. or Johnny's a serial killer. I, I'm not exactly, <laughs> can't be positive, but what I, I liked, so I liked it lyrically and I, and I love her voice in it, but the guitar, it's got this real chunky strum that didn't always seem like it was like it fit the song. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I liked I definitely like the the message or or what I perceive to be because like a lot of those old folk tales are 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 they'll use death as you know I mean Little Red Riding Hood's supposed to be about girls getting their cycle so it's like that kind of that's the way I kind of imagine this thing unfolding and like I say I love the the verse with the uh, calls it a tuning box which just made me think of. Guys have been wooing girls with guitars since they since they literally put words to music. Yeah, since seventeen ninety. Yes. When it was yeah. written. Yeah. Rosalie, anything? Yeah, this song. I think it is a murder ballad, um, which is like a whole category within traditional music of of a lover killing another lover, and this is, a, I think, a very similar story. Maybe a very variation on one called. Um, Thanks of the Ohio, which was another song I sang growing up. But it's like, you know, her true love, they're walking along the banks and he's saying, I'm going to like, well, no, 
you have he basically asks her to marry him she says no i'm too young and then he's like well i'm gonna kill you so no one else can have yeah and then that's and that's you know what i never really listened and but if you look at the last verse it is very serial killer like because every girl he sees after that reminds him of her yes yeah so that is very dexter the end (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um yeah and i like this song it doesn't like particularly stand out to me as you know anything spectacular i guess as far as buffy goes but yeah it's a good song yeah all right um wayne your score uh four this is my 11 and then rosalie a six all right next song is fixing to die I'm just going to kick it over to you. Ah, I love the blues in general. And I, and I've listened to a lot of like these old Delta blues singers, you know, a la Robert Johnson and and guys like that. And uh, Book of White, his version is, is great. Um, I really, I will say this, like, I want to say she was probably introduced to this through Bob Dylan's version, which Bob Dylan, Mm -hmm. as usual, changes things up a little bit. I think in his version, he even adds his own, Versus, so I really felt like, and it's it's only my personal opinion, but I I really felt like this was put on here to maybe show Bob Dylan how it's supposed to be done because I think she really <laughs> she really gets into this. I mean, vocally, she is it is so bluesy and strong. I mean, she puts once again with her voice so versatile, she puts herself into this old Delta blues song and absolutely kills it. And it also, I think. I know it's something about the lines about watching uh, her children, watching her die. It just does have a very, uh, you know, abuse kind of, uh, you know, female, another, once again, a, a strong female voice singing out about, you know, real problems. And, uh, but she just, uh, and then, like I say, the guitar, uh, just, uh, just unbelievable. And like I say, I always, to me, a sign of a good song is when it ends and I'm disappointed that 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 in, your instant that instantaneous feeling of like, oh, my God, I can't believe the song is over. Uh, this this song gave it to me every time I heard it. Excellent. Rosalie, what do you got? Yeah. I I love her guitar playing on this song. It's just I, I love the dissonance and the blues. And she, yeah, she's her playing. You can feel what the song is about in it. Um, but yeah. I would agree with everything <laughs> Wayne said about it. Yeah, she she goes for it. I'm you know another female blues singer that I love is Jessie Mae Hemphill. Kind of yeah, letting that the snarl of your voice let it loose. And yeah, I guess I don't have anything too much more to say about it. But her, I think her guitar playing is my favorite part in that song. Yeah. All right, Wayne, your score. Fourteen. This is my favorite song. All right. Rosalie? I didn't score it as high as the five. I love it, but <laughs> it's hard to score <laughs> songs, I think. But, so, yeah. all good. And this is my nine. 
All right, next song is Until It's Time For You To Go. We'll make a space in the lives that we'd planned And here we'll stay until it's time for you to go Yes, we're different worlds apart and since I have the benefit of seeing people's scores, I think I'm just going to kick it over to Rosalie. <laughs> um, this song, this is one of my favorite songs that she's written. And it's like, this song has been covered by Elvis, Barbara Streisand, Neil Diamond, Bobby Darren. So it just shows like the universe, universality of the subject matter. But she's so there's something about it that's like i feel like very feminist about it she's she's speaking about you know love and but a love that she knows isn't gonna last forever and it's saying you know like don't ask why don't ask how don't ask forever of me just love me not this like i'm i'm looking you know like oh you must only love me and be with me forever or I'll die. Like there's no weakness to it. She's just very clear about, you know, how she, she feels. And, but at the same time, she's willing to surrender to this moment in time. And I feel like that's a very contemporary, you know, point perspective in the lyrics as well. Yeah. It's like, this is just accept me for who I am for the length of time. This is going to last. We'll have fun. And then it's time for you to go. <laughs> which i love and i think the melody and the sweetness of the singing is also just it pulls your heartstrings i think it's a, a beautiful song yeah she said on the documentary that she had heard that this was elvis and priscilla's love song oh <laughs> she had heard that i don't know if it can be confirmed or not so yeah but anyways yeah. um she she definitely in this song she does that that vocal quiver thing especially towards the last verse yeah. like is is there something is that called something in in the musical singing universe i mean i guess it's like it's like a tremolo in a way but yeah it's like a slow vibrato and i think it's i think her voice is so unique like you know maybe professionally trained singers it wouldn't sound like that because they maybe would have like right I don't know, you know, like a classical way of like, no, the note needs to be clear. But it, when she sings it, like, it's like she's kind of holding it back a little bit. And there's that vulnerability, but you can feel the, the intensity behind it. And that it's coming through with that, like, yeah, vibrato, tremolo in her voice. That it's almost like she's about to break break down or it's just going to come like too much. She's holding it back. Like too much is going to come out. Right. Uh, right. It's potent. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely packs the punch, especially with doing that on the last verse. All right. Um, Wayne, anything to add? Oh yeah. I, this is the most contemporary song. I mean, this sounds like a, a hit, like a pop song from the sixties, but and it's but it's such a huge contrast from the previous track. Um, the guitar is very subtle and beautiful. Her voice is the star of the show, the 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 emotion that she puts into it. And I think this is a very strong uh, this is like, like for 1965, basically because she's not she's not saying 
or she is saying, we're not, I don't love you. I don't plan on marrying you. So there's this kind of, uh, and I think the sex is kind of just implied in the song. So it's, we're going to like say, we're going to have fun and we're going to, we're just going to do this for as long as we enjoy it. And one day, one of us is not going to show up. And there is something, you know, that is a, like, maybe that wasn't probably a very popular uh, stance in, in 65 or was becoming more so, but not in, in mainstream America. And so once again, she's, she's on the cutting edge. And like I say, the guitar is just, it's subtle, but it's just absolutely beautiful. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's get scores. Wayne, what do you got? 10. And Rosalie? This is my 14. My All right. One. All right. And this is my seven. All right. Next is the Pineywood Hills. And the valleys below I return as a poor man Or a king if God wills But I'm on my way home To the Pineywood Hills I was raised on a song Wayne, what do you got on this one? And I and I was listening to this, and this is as good as anything any female country singer was doing in '65. Like, there's something, um, and also another reference to rambling. Uh, but there's a there's something Hank Williams in it. I don't. I mean, just so, I don't know if it's the way she's singing it, but then, but her voice is. I mean, it's as good as anything Dolly Parton or Patsy Cline were doing. It's it's just. And there's something Simon and Garfunkel about the melody of it. It's just got all of these different things mixed into this, which I, this could have been a contemporary, a, a hit country song in 1965. I'm surprised that it wasn't. Yeah, there's like the cadence of, I think, like is what has that that country feeling to it. There's a little bit of a freedom in it, like that gives it space in the in the the way the vocals are that I think has that Hank Williams. And also there's a, maybe a little bit of a melancholy to it because she's remembering a home that she's not in anymore. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, Wayne, what do you got for a score? Uh, This was my nine. All right. Rosalie. This is my, my three. Okay. And this is my six. So we're all over the place on this one. All right. So at this point, this is where I believe you would flip the record over. So now we're going to welcome, welcome, immigrante. Welcome, welcome, immigrante to my country. Welcome home. Welcome, welcome, immigrante to the country that I love. I say they built this country and they came from far away. This was a song that didn't really resonate with the three of us. Um, I mentioned the documentary um, about her involvement with the Indian people. I assume that this is maybe a little bit about that, or maybe I'm wrong. Well, I guess, I mean, it to me, you know, I mean, obviously I'm going to look at this from a, the slant of being an American. And so I love it has a guitar wise. It has a very Woody Guthrie feel to it, but the, I think, I think usually when we speak of forefathers, we, we actually speak past, like 
not most of our forefathers actually came here post-revolution. And so they were the people who built railroads and grew the food and raised the cat, you know, the, the animals that America ate. And so, you know, from this, from, a, and it's very topical. So from that sense of, we're always talking about people coming, you know, I think somehow immigrants have made, been made scapegoats to where, you know, we, we, we were all immigrants at one time. And like I say, for her to sing it from this, this very proud perspective, um, I thought was, was great. I, I say I, I topically and lyrically, I like the song. I just, I guess there was others that I, I felt more strongly about, but I really did like the song. I think that the guitar, I love that Woody Guthrie kind of traditional folk guitar. Yeah. Rosalie, anything on this? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree like sub- subject matter lyrically. I think it's, it's powerful and, you know, it ties in. Yeah. With her, the indigenous, angle as well as yeah we're all immigrants here um yeah it's a good song but i also like it's not one that i necessarily go back to like as a song itself it doesn't like capture yeah resonate with me i guess all right your score on that one then rosalie i gave it a one okay and then wayne i gave it five all right this is my three all right so next song is broke down girl castles fell around her the mortal men they found her found her found her as you see her here broke down baby sad cinderella a disney delusion a doll a soulless and I'm just going to throw it over to Rosalie. Get us started. Yeah, I love this song. I think it's a perfect little song. Um, I like that it, it's short. Um, I think it's only like two something minutes. Both like the, yeah, the guitar playing and the singing. I think it's just like a well-crafted song in and of itself. And as far as subject matter goes, it kind of like feels like it's like a young woman reflecting maybe back to a coming of age situation where you're realizing like the fairy tale stories are BS. Um, Maybe you've been hurt a little bit and you're kind of like, well, okay, no Prince Charming came like, like now what I'm um, there, you know, none of this fairy tale stuff is real. So Cinderella lied to us. Yeah. 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 And and could could an artist today get away with the Disney references like she does in this song? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. First of all, when this came out, there weren't as many Disney princesses as there is now. That's true. Um, and yet, I don't know if I've ever heard anybody use the word Disney in a song. Uh, so they probably would get sued. My favorite line, and I in the lyrics it, written, it says Hansel and Gretel, but I'm pretty sure in the song it says Hanselless Gretel. Which is, you know, that was, I just thought a cool way of saying girl without a, without a guy. Um, But it's another strong female message. Like you said, there's something very melancholy, but, but resolute like this. She's not going to be broken down. Like all of these things and all the dreams didn't come true. And the, the Cinderella story was all made up, but she's, she's not, there's something fierce about this song. Yeah. 
All right. Yeah. Mommy's little girl gone bad. Is yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, scores, Rosalie. Uh, I guess it's a 13. And then Wayne. 11. And this is my four. All right. Next song is Johnny Be Fair. Well, Johnny be fair and Johnny be fine and wants me for to wed. And I would marry Johnny, but my father up and said, I'm sad to tell you, daughter, what your mother never knew. But Johnny is a son of mine, and so he's kin to you. Well, Jimmy be fair and Jimmy be fine and wants me for to wed. And I would marry. And I think we alluded to this earlier that it was, um, you know, it was, it was. A, a good joke. Um, uh, this song literally made me laugh out loud on a, on my morning walk last week because um, I had no idea of the punchline before. Oh, I, I didn't that's look. Funny, at- I actually I wrote in my notes the I knew the punchline from 2005 when uh, Madness did Shame and Scandal. Yeah. All right. Well. Um. Th- and Wayne, I will tell you that. Um, I, I felt like maybe I had heard it before, so I went on Spotify to check out to see if other people had done it before. And no, I guess you know Buffy is the original. However, the, the band Coxwain, yeah, you will like that Wayne. It's very Pogues like. I think that you will love it. So I'm 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 giving a shout out to Coxwain um, to go check that out. Um, so so I found this from Buffy. This was on the website mainly Norfolk, which I guess they had they had emailed back and forth, and um, the person who does the the website uh, posted this uh, about the origins of this song. Uh, she said, "When I was a kid, somebody told me a joke, which was essentially the story as retold in my song Johnny Be Fair." I'm glad to see you wondering about the origins of the story. When I first wrote the song, so many people were taken by surprise. I realized that not everybody had heard that one. Very few people have ever told me that they've heard it as a, as a joke or story. I've often heard that true folk songs are like antiques. They are preserved and reused because they continue to be useful and appreciated generation after generation. And their themes are cross-cultural and make a sort of ring true sense in lots of communities. So there you go. That's straight from Buffy's Buffy's fingertips well okay well and like i say not to i'm not i'm not gonna contradict her uh wholeheartedly i guess but the 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 song shame and scandal was done as early as 43 by a calypso singer named sir lancelot and it's it may not uh she puts it into kind of an irish folk uh sound so but ultimately it is it's absolutely it's it's very near the same song. It's at least the very same idea, um, which is to some degree of a strong female you know message. What's good for the gander is good for the goose. Your dad's not the only one running around here. That's right. He's not the only whore in town. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he can do it. So can I. That's right. That's right. All right, Rose Rosalie. Any last thoughts before we get scores? Well, this is one like if you can imagine. So I. I, like I said before, I'm one of seven children. There's six girls, one boy. And my mom would have us sing this song like 
family reunions or wherever. And if you like six girls singing the song, and then at the end, you know, like, sweetly <laughs> telling the joke. So, and I think it took me, a, you know, while to like grow up a little bit to kind of realize that the song was actually <laughs> yeah, yeah, saying. And then it dawned on me. I was like, oh, oh, that's that's the <laughs> right. So this has a special place in my heart just for that reason. Um, but yeah, that's just my story about it. I think it's pretty, yeah, that, there's a feminist message and the bodiness of it, which kind of goes back to that, like, you know, limericks and Irish jokes, like, um, that have that kind of naughty, naughty jokiness to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is a lot of fun. What, what was your score on this one? I uh, I give it a seven. All right. And Wayne? Uh, six. And this is my 14. So you make me laugh on my morning walk. I'm going to give you extra points oh. for it. So there you go. Nice. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm easily amused. Uh, all right. Maple Sugar Boy is next. Maple Sugar Boy. Maple Sugar Brown. The sun and getting browner. Sad little girl, sad little tear. Never felt more helpless. And um, we're, our scores are all over the place on this one. Rosalie, get us started on Maple Sugar Boy. Yeah, I love this song. Um, I think it's like. Little I'm trying to pull up the lyrics here for it. Um I will say this, it's the shortest song on the record. Yeah, minute forty two seconds. Yeah. Yeah, and it's again like a you know, that bluesy song. She's got that almost dirgy guitar playing to it. Yeah, just talking about this beautiful maple sugar boy is these brown boy, which probably announced in nineteen sixty five, like you know, bringing up race and her being indigenous. Um, yeah, you know, it's probably, I don't, I don't know, but probably a little controversial. Um, but yeah, I think it's a sweet, a little sexy, steamy, even though it's simple. Um, yeah, song. I think it's great. I couldn't find any origin info on this song. So if anyone, anyone knows anything about it, you know, let us know. Um, Wayne, anything? Um, I, I think, and I think that it is racial and I think, and I'm, I, cause I think he's dead. I think the lying in the sun getting browner, I, I think that he's been killed. So either the girl is, uh, is white. Um, there's just all kinds of things that it conjures up. It wasn't lyrically that I didn't like it. It was that the guitar doesn't, it almost doesn't seem like it's being played to the same song. I couldn't, I the the rhythm of her voice and the rhythm of the guitar were so far off that I, I that was ultimately what it was because lyrically I looked at it as once again like this is a brave this conjures up a lot of images um, that probably would have been fairly controversial in 1965. Yeah, uh, your score on this one, yeah. Wayne. Uh, this is a two, my two, and this is my five, and then Rosalie. My nine. All right. 
Next song is Lazarus. What they used was a great big number And what they, what they used, what they used was a great big number Number 44, oh oh, Lord, number 44 And they took old Lazarus Took him down to the commissary counter I'm going to throw this over to Wayne. I will say this on the first couple of listens of the album. I kind of hated this song, but it grew on me. Uh, the, the more I listen to this, um, I, I kind of like the song now. Um, I could see a band like Delta Ray do a cover of this song. Do you guys know Delta Ray? bottom of the river it has a very bottom of the river type of type of feel to it um so throwing that out delta ray do a cover of this all right wayne over to you and i think coming off of the last one i um it it this is like an old negro spiritual and i the way she does it with this her voice is so powerful but then those hand claps there's an echo like one single person in this big room just singing this song and so there's there's it's like it was like giving me chills but uh and then i don't i'm not a huge bible guy but i believe lazarus came back from the dead yep um and so there's this there's the and you know with the reference to the sheriff and the deputies it has this very um you know like you're not gonna you you won't you're not gonna kill us you're not gonna you know, it's like the cops you know are still a very contemporary subject to the to till today um you know with uh, like eliminating like they're chasing they're they're trying to find lazarus and i you only can assume that they they have ill intent um and then there's some lines towards the end where you know the where the 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 song is being sung back to the sheriff that you know come payday one of his men are going to be missing so there's this just this whole great it just it was a very powerful song. Like she really like singularly, she does this with just some hand claps, but the way, the way it all comes together with her, the power in her voice. And then the echo when of the room with those hand claps, it was just like I say, it gave me chills. Yeah. Rosalie, any, any comments before we get scores? Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with all that. I think it is a like powerful spiritual song. Um Yeah. All right, um, Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Wayne, your your score. A twelve. And this is my eight. And then Rosalie. I I did two. Okay. All right. Next song. Come all ye fair and tender ladies. They're like the stars on a summer morning. First they'll appear, and then they're gone. I didn't think that I was going to score this as high as I did, because it's another Mouthbow song, and it's the longest song on the record. And um, I just... I, I 
really like this. This is a this is a standard American folk ballad. Um, I did find some info f- about this that it's also known as Tiny Sparrow or Little Sparrow, and it's been covered by like everybody. Um, what I found was Carter Family, Pete Seeger. Um, Joan Baez, Peter, Paul, and Mary, Kingston Trio, Emmy Lou, Bob, um, Dolly, any other people that we would know just from one name, Gene, Gene Clark. Um, I don't know. I just, uh, I really liked her version of it. Like, I think this is my favorite version of this song. Anyone? Yeah, it's, I love this song. I, um, this is what I was saying before that I grew up um, singing and playing just the, the story of it. It's, it's poignant. It's, it's something that it's so relatable to. Um, and yeah, there, I've heard so many versions of the song and there's, I think reason why everyone covers it. Um, so yeah, it's definitely, and it, the song will always have like a special place in my heart and her version of it is, kind of next level yeah it's great it's great yeah Wayne anything yeah um, I the only thing that that is there's a droning nature in that mouth the mouth bow that makes it feel like it goes on forever because I do like the story I like and I I always love um when you start a song with with one verse and you end it with the same verse, it gives it this real circular, complete feel to it. I mean, but the, I love the you. You could make me believe with the falling of your eye that the sun rose in the west. Just like, wow, that uh, yeah. that's being in love. Like, no matter what this guy says, she believes it. And to have that, and then for him to betray her in some manner or another, or just move on to another girl. Once again, it shows the, the timelessness of 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 that subject but it's and her voice is is unbelievable there's this uh this heartbroken disillusionment that she and that's just coming off of of uh you know this this very spiritual uh song and then into this and i mean she's done delta blues like it's just her voice is amazing but it's it's definitely the mouth harp uh mouth bow that 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 kills this song for me. <laughs> what was your score? Uh, three. All right. And Rosalie? An eight. And then this is my 13. Um, and then let's wrap this up. This is title song. This is Many a Mile. This world around Another city Another town Another friend To say goodbye Another time to sit and cry. Oh, it's many a mile I have spent on this road. It's many a mile I have gone. Well, there was one. You, you were saying, Wayne, earlier about how she sounds different on some of the songs. She definitely sounds different on, on this one to me. And maybe it's just, you're going from the, the, the song before where she's got a mouth bow. Um, so that probably affects her vocals a little bit. And, um, 
yeah, production from that song to this one just seems so vastly different. But I think that that's, and maybe it's, she's not really doing the shaking vocal thing on this song either. Maybe she does. I guess she does it a little bit on this, this one, right? I think Which a little one? bit, but it's not. On Many a Mile. Many a Mile. Yeah, okay. I was just going to say, maybe part of the production thing, it, the song is written by Patrick Skye, who's also on the record. He's playing guitar. Yeah. It's possible he had a vision for it, too, and was kind of, you know, directing it a bit. That's true. Uh, yeah. That my question have. is, where has the harmonica been all along? Because she, it, that was, that was awesome. <laughs> is she, why she been, she's, played, she's played the mouth bow twice, and this is the first time the harmonica comes out? Is she doing the harmonica though? Is she credited with I, it? You know, uh, when I looked at the only the credits that I saw is she did everything except play guitar on this song. Um, someone else plays the bass. The few times that you hear, you'll hear a bass, and then uh, somebody somebody did guitar on okay one other song. But I, I, as far as I can tell, she's listed as playing everything else. Yeah, where has that harmonica been? All right. Um, <laughs> Any any last words, Wayne, on this one? Well, I like the move. Like we discussed this with with um, the first thing I thought of was when we discussed uh, Ash and Pop with Matthew Ryan and the song before the the song we all really loved was kind of a, a downer. It, it didn't. It, I it, like at least for me, the song previous to this was almost a, was where I would think almost well maybe she could have just gone with twelve tracks, and so I'm. She kind of rope a dope me into the which is bam. She this thing this song is great. I I, I mean I I like like much like Tusk. She puts the you know I think this song is absolutely worthy of naming the album after it, and she puts it all the way at the end. Which a lot of cases title tracks will come come first, but she saved it for the end. And once again, she's she's uh, John Kay does a great version. Uh, John Kay from Steppenwolf does a great version of the song. Also, oh, I, don't, um, I don't know that one. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm drawing a blank. I got to find my notes again. You're gonna have to edit that out. But uh, but she's also this song also um, she describes herself as rambling. Uh, it's this is a this is a very this is one of the, as good as any life on the road song there is. Um, kind of gives you it definitely feels like um, a, a performer singing about you know. Because it doesn't glamorize it, we, you know. You meet people, you fall in love, they're gone the next day. You're traveling from town to town. The towns are the same, but it has a very. This is what I do because this is what I do. Like, I'm a I'm a musician. I'm a singer, and I have to take myself from town to town to sing these songs. Um, that's it. Really, is is captured in the lyrics to this. Yeah. All right. What's your score on this one? Thirteen. All right, Rosalie, your score. I give it a four. All right. And this is my 12. All right. So um, this is the part where <clears throat> I can't talk. This is the part where I say, did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? I, I, I think we got it. I think we got most of it. I think we covered it. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, any guesses on number one? Mm-hmm. I know this is going to be fun because we're all over the place as far <laughs> as our scores went. Um, yeah, like I'll just gonna average out. <laughs> yeah, until uh, yeah, until I have to go. Yeah, until it's time for you to go. That was yeah. number one. That had an average score of ten point three three. We had a tie for second. 
at 9.66 average score, many a mile with Must I Go Bound. And then we had a tie for fourth, which is Fixed and Die and Broke Dan Girl. So there's our there's our top five. Um, so you guys you guys nuked out my two favorite songs off of the top five. <laughs> so I forgive you though. That's that's what we that's what we do. Yeah, right. uh, wasn't intentional. I know, I know. But that's <laughs> yeah. I, I, I that's a pretty solid top five though, right? Oh yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's solid. All right, well. I, I do have to tell you, Rosalie, thank you for picking something that we weren't familiar with. Um, like Absolutely. I, I always get excited when oh, when a guest, guest picks something that um, maybe I'm not super familiar with. And then I end up going, why the heck have I not been listening to this person for the last umpteen years? So, so thank you for that. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's been so fun. Absolutely. All right. So, um, so we ask all of our guests, and this is how we we uh, we got you on on the uh, the episode. So, who do you know that we don't know that should come on this podcast to talk about one of their favorite records? And I think you mentioned one previously. Yeah, I would say Dave Nance um, in Omaha, who's on who's plays on my forthcoming LP. Okay, he, his record just came out. He either came out this week or it's coming out next week. Yeah, he's great. Gotcha. All right. Well, we'll we'll make that we'll make that happen. Excellent. All right. Um, so so tell our guests where they can find all the happenings of Rosalie. Um, you can. I'm on Instagram at Rosalie Music. Um, Bandcamp just Rosalie, and it's R O S A L I, no E. And yeah, my website and. I don't tweet too much, but when the record comes out, just doing the promo stuff, I'll be tweeting. And that's also at Rosalie Music, also on Spotify. Um, yeah. All right. And uh, as a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes by going to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com. We are on the socials, so I man the Facebook page and Twitter at Podcast Records on Twitter. Wayne is on the Instagram where can they find you? Records Revisited Podcast. And of course, you can find us on all the platforms for podcasts. So Apple, CastBox, Stitcher, iHeartMedia, Spotify, Google Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, on all those platforms, please go go subscribe and rate or review us. And um, got a couple nice uh, reviews recently, Wayne, um, about our Lexi Lawless, Billy Joel episode. So. There you oh, go. Cool. Yeah. So thanks for listening. Please <laughs> go support the arts. Go to a live show. Buy a t-shirt of the band. Buy a record. Maybe a record that's called Trouble Anyway. Go visit a record store. You still can do that. Just make sure that you mask up and you be safe. Okay? We are Records Revisited and we are out. Out. Out.